Welcome to the Women's Moon Circle Podcast with your hosts, Carissa Shawl and Elisa Jordan. We're a community of empowered women setting ourselves free through storytelling, speaking our truth, and embracing our imperfections. Take a deep breath, come to the present moment, and let the healing begin. Hello there. Welcome to the Women's Moon Circle podcast. I'm Elisa Jordan, a food psychology coach and yoga instructor. I'm Carissa Shaw, a recovery coach and yoga instructor. I have found that through my healing journey that by coming together in a community of women that speaks our truth and is vulnerable with our story, that it really generates a beginning of healing process. And that's why we're here. Um, we wanted to share our stories today with you um, on the podcast to invite you into the space for discussing what is hidden all the time and that we can shine a light on it. Um, I My background is from a conservative Christian home. I've always been the girl that's been overweight. Um, I was been told to be on a diet since I was eight years old. So weight loss and that dieting aspect has always been a part of my life and my story. And... Um, so I grew up being felt undesirable, uh, that no man would ever really want me. It felt unathletic. So I turned to the arts. My background eventually became into opera singing and musical theater. So I was the drama girl in high school that did French club. I was that girl. And um, so I found a place of acceptance on the stage to where I could feel beautiful because I didn't feel beautiful in the normal world where everyone looked thinner, was more athletic. And I just didn't feel like I fit the, the quote-unquote norm that we all see. And, um, and I found that niche, particularly in opera singing, because that's what my body was built to do. And within that sphere of learning opera and getting in tune with my body and my voice and what that means as an identity, I found yoga because it was super beneficial for getting your body and breath going. And it found that finally became my exercise routine that I've never developed a practice for and I was always thought that I never could do sports and stuff so yoga finally became my regular outlet to feel like I could do something and because it also did not require wheels I can't do anything on wheels like riding bikes and such it's the truth Anywho, so eventually I graduated with a degree in music and I got certified to teach yoga, power vinyasa yoga, and that started to shift my aspects of what I wanted to do as a career as a soprano. And um, I found myself not loving the art form anymore, but I loved the people in the community. And um, so I started to take that hard shift from being immersed in this world as a singer and my identity as a singer into something that was different and going into the more holistic health aspect. And I just didn't know what to do with it all, so I decided to get some business background and I decided to move to Seattle for a grad school program in arts leadership. At the same time, I could still teach yoga and that's where I am today in Seattle. And I just graduated with my master's, so now I'm Master Jordan. And... Um, but during that time in grad school, I also found myself um, feeling lost because I wasn't in love with the program personally. Like it was, I think I did all my art, artistry kind of like administration background. Like I did it all really early, and um, I started feeling lost. So I found uh, like an MLM to really 
partake in and um, found a community there to feel more athletic and um, to really hone in my own body. And I've actually like lost 30 pounds through the process, which was really cool because I never thought I would be able to lose weight like that. And I started feeling lean and slender. People were commenting and that was, I just felt like, oh, I'm the shiz. <laughs> and, um, but then it started turning into ultimate restriction for me. And um, I didn't realize how much my dieting background since I was a little girl, it was really prominent in my life. And um, I didn't realize I, I basically have orthorexia where I became obsessive over food and my counting my macros correctly. The whole process of just planning my meals all the time and being judgmental. And my boyfriend would feel judge, judged by me for looking at him eating something that was from Taco Bell or something. You know, like, don't mean to be judgmental, but you are. And um, eventually I realized how much... I was going crazy, and um, I took a really hard step to just stop doing that, and I have gained some of my weight back, and it's been really hard to see my body morph back in that space, because I came from the, being known as the bigger, curvy girl, going into a, a direction of like, oh, I'm athletic, I'm lean, and then coming back to it and being okay with being softer, and that's okay with my body, and it's hard in the brain because the voice in your head's like that's not right and um yeah so now i'm in the steps of just being of accepting where i'm at and coming to exercise and to movement and to food and recovering from my perfectionist tendencies with it to develop a not a disordered relationship with it that's warped but a healing nourishing one that invites vitality and joy versus restriction or just taking all of your brain matter, honestly, and your bandwidth. So that's where I am. And I want to create this space for us, particularly women who suffer from this kind of gray area of, um, of this disordered relationship with food and exercise, feeling like we always have to do more and be more thinner, you know, or fitter or stronger and like fitspiration, yo, it's like, let's get over that and just be who we are and like, crazy leaders in our lives who can actually change the world instead of being obsessed about how many proteins I ate today or things like that and how we can really uplift each other and we're here to have that space to talk about that journey with each other. So that's a bit of me. How about you, Carissa? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really excited to be here sitting next to Elisa. My, my journey has also involved food and restriction and finding the balance between those two and looking for the space in my life where I can actually find my voice and be connected to women and be connected to myself and work on my own healing journey. My path started I would say in 2011, uh, I had moved to Finland and I was over there and I started dating a rock star. Uh, what? Yeah. What? Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was a, a very uh, strong, deep, creative type and his presence was really big and in the midst of that, I was in my early 20s and trying to find myself, I essentially became, uh, you know, sort of like a sidekick to him, like a little doll and I just started restricting I, I didn't never did it consciously I just started 
remember lying next to him and being so hungry and not eating in front of him. And it didn't really come from a conscious decision of like, I'm going to lose weight. But he had made like a few really small comments like, uh, all my girlfriends have been pocket sized. Um, There was another one about like sitting on a table and going to break it. And I was in this crazy place where I had moved from my home. I had left everything I knew and I had tried to become something that I thought that he wanted. Um, in that process, I was I was there for only about, I think it was like six months, nine months, and I had lost 20 pounds. And before I went over, I had always been kind of like the curvy girl as well, always loved food. I was, I was vegan, so I was still really focused on food and very conscious of it, but I was never worried about my weight. So it wasn't until that moment when I really started becoming focused on my weight. Uh, after that, it was just basically five years of utter hell. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> doing math here. So I moved home because he got a little bit too heavy for me, and he like threatened to commit suicide if I left. And it was, oh, a, it was a big, nice. yeah, it was a quite an adventure there. And so when I got home, I everyone also brought all this attention to my body of like, wow, you lost so much weight, and like. Oh. And it wasn't really in this way of, like, some of it was positive, but mostly it was just, like, noticing um, because it was dramatically different. And so I moved down to L.A., and I became obsessed with not gaining the weight back. So Mm -hmm. I became a bicycle tour guide. I didn't want to get an office job because I didn't want to sit all day. Because you get fat. Exactly. And uh, I also was extremely freaked out because the big reason why I lost so much weight in Europe was because, A, I was walking everywhere, and, B, they didn't have all these healthy food places that I love, like Whole Foods and Trader Joe's. So I didn't have access to these, like, vegan, you know, treats. Um, So it was more just like elimination. Uh, So when I got home, I was very freaked out about gaining the weight back. So I was by myself in LA. It was the darkest time of my life, one of them. And I would go to Whole Foods and I would be so nervous and I'd be going, I remember one day I was driving home and it was the first time this had ever happened. And I was like eating my salad box in the car, like really fast, like as I was driving and just feeling really out of control. Um, and so that was a really scary time in my life. Um, I realized that I wasn't going to be able to keep up the same, same amount of restriction that I had before. So I was a bicycle tour guide. I crashed into my bike one day. I went to go see a doctor, um, because I had like a bump on my knee and the doctor was like, you know, oh, your knee's going to be fine. And Then I asked him, I said, you know, I've been home from Europe for, you know, a few months and I've already gained 10 pounds. Like, you know, what, what should I do? (laughs) And he, I remember he looked at me and he's like, you know, if you're 110 pounds and you're worried about gaining weight, you want to be careful because you might develop an eating disorder. Uh, So that was when this bell went off in my head and I was like, ding, 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 that's it. So I remember I went home and I was like, okay, so now I can have those treats and I can still not gain weight. And that's when bulimia started. And so bulimia really snuck into my life in L.A. um, And it got really dark and lonely and, you know, eating and purging and running and biking. And just all of my entire life was consumed by not gaining this weight back. And it became so dark that I was like, I got to get out of here. This is, L.A. is making me sick. I've always been this. L.A., uh, I know. Right? And I was like, this is L.A. I for a little bit too. Right? But I was like, you know, this is L.A. And I started blaming it on my surroundings. And so I packed up all my stuff. I headed up north. My brother was living in Seattle. Um, 
but I knew like, okay, if I could just get into like this more foresty, dark area, that would be more back in touch with myself. So first I moved to Portland because I thought that that would be more my style because it was like hippie vegan wonderland. <laughs> um, but being a girl that's in your early 20s is, you know, not rooted in herself at all, doesn't have any financial stability, moving to a brand new town with nobody in it, um, it was also another form of hell. <laughs> I did find a place, but I, bulimia just became, took a, a bigger space in my life there and I had no room for even just connecting with anybody. It was just a very, very dark time. And so I then moved up to Seattle because I was like, I got to get away from this. I need to be with my family. My brother was up here. So I moved in with him. We got a place together. Um, I got a job and I was still struggling. And so part of me was like, what is going on? Like, why is my life obsessed around food and body? And like, this isn't me. And so I was like, where was I last happy? And I was like, oh, Finland. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> so I flew, So I sold my car. I left my brother with the lease. I flew back to Finland in 2013 to heal myself. Um, I got there and I had like, told my friends that were there from before about my struggles with bulimia. And they were very supportive. And I did stop uh, purging, but I was, you know, I took up excessive exercise instead. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm just strong now. I'm just super strong. And I basically lost another 25 pounds in a really short amount of time. It got really out of hand. Um, my hair started falling out. Mm -hmm. um, I lost my period a while before that and just was really sick. Um, I discovered yoga during that time, which was part of my healing and also part of um, my disorder because it was Ashtanga, so it was extremely physical. Yeah. And one of the my lead teachers, he was a male, and he took me in front of class when I was, I think I'd gotten down to like 92 pounds at that point. And he's like, if you guys want to be a real yogi, you need to work as hard as she does to have this oh, body. Oh, that is feeding the demon. Isn't that crazy? Oh, and, and that same teacher, of course, like tried to hit on me and take advantage of me during that time. Oh, oh that's so, nice. But, but I got yoga at it. So, um... So my okay, so I had to fly home in September. I didn't get a visa. I went. My mom checked me into treatment for an eating disorder, and I met an amazing therapist, Will. Hey, Will, who <laughs> saved my life. Um, he basically looked at me and was like, "You're gonna die if you don't like get some help." And I didn't see it. Even at that point, I still didn't see it. I just thought that I had to get my control back from food. I thought food had all the control and that I needed to, to get that control back by either not eating it or by exercising it off. Yeah. <laughs> so treatment was a really powerful experience. I got to meet other women that struggled with food, body image, bulimia, anorexia, orthorexia, binge eating. And that was when I think I really fell into my purpose. I found these brilliant, deep, intuitive women that find food and body image is like a mask for all of their issues in your life. And it's a very, very real mask. Like there would be days where I think my brain would get about two thoughts in that weren't related to food and exercise. And I wasn't present for the people I loved. I wasn't able to be close to people. I wasn't able to accomplish anything like starting a podcast, um, starting a women's moon circle, building relationships. Yeah. <laughs> um, and since then, you know, it's been that same journey of, like, finding my balance with exercise. I have become a yoga instructor, and I love it, and I love sharing that. But I have a lot of, 
you know, I have to be really careful um, because, like, the studio we teach in has mirrors, and it can be really challenging uh, for Mm -hmm. my recovery to not want to go back into that restrictive mindset. Another thing I want to talk about in this podcast is, you know, as we recover from these restrictive backgrounds or overeating, our metabolism is all out of whack. And so for me, it's like, you know, two years later, I'm 40 pounds heavier than I was. And seeing pictures is like, oh my God, like, who is that? And like... Such a trigger too, I bet. such a trigger. such a trigger. And so... Yeah, it is a trigger. (laughs) But, you know, what I found to be the most helpful for my recovery is opening up to discuss these things with other women and finding out, you know, where are you guys at and finding out what your story is with food and body image and life and passion and, you know, how do we come to accept ourselves more the way that we are and how do we put more focus on our passions and our life than on our body. Um, and it was pretty funny. Can I tell a story about how we met? Yes. Yes. Yes, please do. <laughs> so they know. <laughs> so you know. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was up here. I had gained a lot of weight post-treatment. I, Elisa was this, had this really strong, wonderful presence in the yoga teaching community. And she was doing a really great job of bringing people together. It was around, um, is the brand okay? Shh. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> it was around a certain type of drink. Drink um, and like eating protocols. It's a 21-day yeah. program, and I try to make it a holistic aspect, but still, yeah. it, I, I now recognize that there is a lot of good and triggering aspects if yeah. you come from a restrictive background like we do. Right. I didn't realize it quite, but I was starting to. Yeah. And, and yeah. It, she wasn't doing anything wrong, and it actually really stood out to me. And part of me, you know, after gaining so much weight and kind of, having my hair not fall out, whatever, (laughs) like getting to a healthy place, there's still a part of me that like, oh, I still want to have that athletic, clean eating thing going on. And community too. And community too, and to find women that are strong and powerful. So it was very appealing. And so I joined for one of her like 21 day things and I actually really liked it. Um, But I found that it was putting a lot of focus on like writing down meals. And basically I had done all this work and treatment to shift my perception and my focus away from food and body, and it was starting to shift back in that direction. Um, I still really appreciated her um, her reaching out to women and to, to bringing people together and to being a leader in her community. Um, so I ended up, you know, taking a step away from the groups. I started struggling again in 2013, and bulimia started to pop up a little bit as I was trying to find my role as a yoga instructor and not have this fitspiration mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I started to struggle, I, I ended up going in to ask uh, a local treatment center if they had like an evening support group once a week. And I had explained to them where I was at. Um, and they said that they thought I was a better fit to go back into the PHP program because they thought I was hitting towards relapse. So I did that. And <clears throat> when I checked back in, this was a much bigger treatment center than the first one I went to. And in this treatment center, there was about 30 to 40 women, um, a lot adolescents too. And they broke us down into smaller groups. And it was basically just like my whole world turned upside down again. Um, All of my meals were planned by them. I had to follow their nutritional guidelines. Um, It was 11 hours a day. And I still saw Elisa was doing this work, um, but I was spending 11 hours a day with women that, you know, weren't able to be with their families because they were so struggling with eating disorders. 
So I came home one day after a really hard day of seeing a woman, like, have a panic attack around carbs, basically, and all these hard things at the treatment center. And I got onto my Facebook, and I noticed that I was part of one of the groups, and one of our local teachers um, posted her meals from the day. And Mm -hmm. she is somebody that I think is already very thin, and I already had concerns about. And I think that's just her natural body style, but it just, I know how brilliant she is and the work that she's doing in the world. And so I was really afraid to see her going in the direction. And mostly it's like this protective mothering spirit of like, no, don't do it. Um, But I saw her post this meal or like her her food of the day. And and it just really hit. It was like this tornado of things. And so I posted this long response to the group like, why are we caring so much about food and exercise? And and it was in Elisa's group that she was running. And I felt (laughs) so bad like the next day. But it was like it was just coming from a place of like, you know, please be careful because this stuff is addicting. Um, disordered eating and exercise is can be a form of addiction, and addiction sucks your life away. And so um, that was kind of our last um, thing, and she was really sweet after that. She's, like, seriously the raddest girl ever, you guys. She, like, <laughs> sent me a long message, like, don't worry about it. I totally understand, and, like, even invited me to participate in another group um to help like lead it and talk more about my background with it and it's still I still wasn't really ready for it at the time and I'm still you know weary of food logging of any kind Mm -hmm. but um it's brought us together because when we met recently you know she had kind of kind of hit the wall yeah totally hit the wall it's a great metaphor um because at that point when you had written I was observing Mm -hmm. in myself Mm -hmm. When I would shut down at restaurants, we were, mm. I was, I was mm. home on Thanksgiving and we went to this healthy food restaurant. Yeah. Like their appetizers were crudite. Yeah. Vegetables. And I was starting to shut down because that would be over my vegetable count for the day. She's like, gave me goosebumps. I was like, oh, shutting down, shutting down. Like I would just oh turn God. inward and like if there was, there was extra like, there was quinoa bowls. I was like, I need something more paleo or something like that. I just, I withdrew and my mom could see and. And because I want the listeners to know that, like, disordered eat, like, you can come from a very, like, hard end of it, but there's also a lot of gray areas in between. And I come from the gray area of, like, I didn't actually ever purge or have anorexia. And because I didn't look like I had it necessarily, like, I'm not, I wasn't emaciated or starved. I was eaten. So I didn't associate for me, like, I don't have an eating disorder. Like, I don't have the, what I've seen on TV and yeah. stuff or read yeah. and been taught what an eating disorder is. Like, I am not, but because I was starting to withdraw from social situations, I was also shutting down with my boyfriend that made me realize eventually, like, something's off. I'm getting so caught up in something that I do love. I love food and wellness, and it started to become warped because of I was doing a lot of different things, grad school, new relationship, uh, figuring all that new waters out, and um, building my own online business. I just think all these stressors came into play to make me hit the wall. And then when Carissa confronted into the group and, like, also talked to me about it, like, I understood because I was seeing it in myself. And I was like, I do get where you're coming from. And I knew that this could be an opportunity eventually of, like, this is an area that needs to be talked about. Like, body image from the extreme ends or in the middle. Like, whether you're in anorexia or you're very overweight or in between and you're perfectly fine. There's, But most for most women, there is a control aspect um, in terms of and needing of healing and yeah. the what I've been working with was 
trying to work on obesity as the epidemic of the world. And I realized that was just a symptom. And what needs to happen is healing from all spectrums, right. so no matter where you come from. And I particularly resonate, and we do particularly resonate with healing for women and how we can love our body, become embodied, but not identified as solely this external thing and realize our potential. And um, there is a, there's very yoga stuff with this and all the yoga things. <laughs> but, uh, so I personally also had to step away and um, take down that risk of feeling like I was a hypocrite. And, mm. um, and seeing that this, what I had encountered was a gray area as well. Like it was good and some ways bad and triggering, you know, but I wouldn't have realized my addiction to dieting and my chronic dieting past, I wouldn't have realized it unless I'd gone through the process and realized I had such a kind of twisted relationship with food and exercise and how that blends into all different aspects of myself. And we wouldn't be here for you because <laughs> we want to have that sphere of safety for you and realize like where you come from, particularly if you have a more perfectionist background or have been told to be on a diet or you have diet and you feel like you always have to lose the last five pounds or 10 pounds, or you're scared to gain five pounds or 10 pounds. And I understand because my brain wants to go like, oh, oh, I need to like maybe do a detox. Like that's kind of where the, my brain goes. Maybe for other people it goes into a different extreme, but like seeing themselves in the mirror at a yoga studio, like yeah. totally understand. Cause I, I would just start to like t- pinch my belly and be like, oh my gosh, I need to do more ab work or and more cardio. And that's the opposite of what yoga is supposed to be about. Yeah. And things like, so like I would find all these new triggers, but mm. I never would have realized that I had something that needs healing because mm. I wasn't labeled as like having bulimia or anything right. like that. There was no right. obvious external right. signs. So I really appreciate that that we can have this sphere to talk about the in-between areas as well. Yes. Um, Yeah, and I I agree completely because even when I went back to treatment, like, I was at a normal weight. I was starting to struggle a little bit, but, like, my – I feel like people see me now. They're like, but you're better now. Like, or you're – you know, you don't need to hold on to this story, but, like, I still have days where my brain is just obsessive about food and exercise, and I have to, like, work on it and, like, guide it. And so – I think this in-between space is really where the work needs to be done because otherwise it's like if we're looking at our bodies to see, okay, how well are you? Like how healed are you by based on how much you weigh? Like that's never going to get us to where we really need to be and that's the healing inside. Yeah. And that, that we can't see that from the external eye. I would never have known that you were starting to struggle with orthorexia ever yeah. because you were such a leader and you seemed so, you know, we put on these fronts that seem – so put together all the time and so you know back to why we're doing this women's moon circle it's about talking about the things underneath the surface the things that down and dirty down and dirty Dirty. (laughs) the things you know for I don't know about you guys but for people that have struggled with you know any overeating nighttime is hell (laughs) if like if you've gone the whole day restricting um for a lot of people women I met in treatment too if you've gone the whole day you know eating clean it's like at night your willpower goes down and it's just there's a lot more chance for overeating and for trying to get back that nourishment um for yourself in a misguided way and so nights would always become a lot harder um, and in the past, there's, you know, a long-standing tradition of women get, getting together at the new moon and the full moon to 
heal and to talk about these things. And were you telling me about the red tent? Yes. Can you okay. tell? Yeah. If you, or, pe- or people in general, whoever may be listening. Um, have you read The Red Tent? Oprah Winfrey loves it, apparently. And I'm going through it, and it's um, it brings back the aspects of how women share their stories. It goes into biblical times, the book. You can read the plot on Google or Amazon. But um, it's getting together in a community of all women, no men allowed, and, <laughs> um, where we talk about the real shiz of life and telling your stories and celebrating. There would usually be rituals and probably like massaging each other, making us feel good through the... You know, through the menzies and stuff. <laughs> all backs be achy. Let's be real and stuff. But it's just a chance to, like, really girl talk. I mean, there's probably a reason why we all go to the bathroom together. You know, these yeah. little... It's very part of feminine nature to collaborate and to to gather and together to heal instead of tearing each other up. And that's probably more stories we can talk about later on in our podcast about yeah. healing and that aspect of our, as a culture too, because there's just this, anyway, you know, cat fights and all that. And that's what's marketed. <laughs> that's what we're told we have to be. And but it's, it's, it's very, not. but it's very real. I mean, it's, it's definitely, you know, yeah. when, when I was going through my healing process, you know, I didn't have any women that I felt like A could understand or B we're just open just to support and love and be there for me. Um, yeah. And I think that the more that we can step out, one of us each at a time, and reach out to each other and say, hey, what do you need? Like, let me be here with you and help you, you know, start on your healing journey versus this competition. You know, we, we work at a yoga studio together, and I still feel it there. There's still this, you know... We all go into a yoga class and we're all zened out and blissed out in our shavasana and then we get up and there's, you know, everyone, no one looks each other in the eye and no one... Just, oh my gosh, it's so true. They just put their blocks away and they're like, they're like just oh, get my no, stuff no, no, no. and go, don't touch me. Um, and how do we how do we begin to open up our hearts, you know, not just on the mats, but off of the mats and in our lives and with each other? It's There's a lot of questions and a lot of things that we can all discuss here, so... Um, yeah, so we wanted to also discuss today's steps to start your healing process. Um, if you, if any of us resonated with you today, this is our first podcast. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, let's go ahead and, and run down a couple ideas that we have for you to start your healing process. If you feel like you're still trapped in this, this prison cell of negative body image and disordered eating. Just like with yoga, if you've ever done it, um, first of all, but it's the first step is honestly just building awareness and building awareness of your story in terms of holistic healing and embracing your story and owning your shiz. Let's be real. And, but not only recognizing what's going on in your story, but not holding it in because then it gets trapped and then you feel like stuck. And it's the next step, honestly, once you build the awareness and embrace your story is to be vulnerable and share it. Share it with others. Brene Brown's The Power of Vulnerability, you know, and it helps to relinquish the shame and guilt that we internalize. Um, Amen. Particularly, I think women do. We, like, hold on to it because we got to be strong for blah blah our job, partner, friends, you know, our family. And we... And it's hard to let really let go, and it is part of the feminine nature when it's in its purest form is to be soft, to be vulnerable, and nurturing, and to allow ourselves to do that. It can be a great first few steps to healing our bodies, our mindsets with our bodies and our souls, and taking care of each other. At least in my opinion. <laughs> I agree, and I think that, you know, definitely... 
when I started my healing process, and I think for most of us, it's like we look for those external solutions. So we look for the right chic mix. We look for the right workout. We look for the right yoga studio, the right this. And it's all these external things to help us, you know, fix whatever we feel like is wrong or the right medication. And yeah. um, But I think this healing medicine of embracing your story and telling it is like whoa (laughs) that if that can start your healing journey like (laughs) like more than these external things that it's you know it really brings that that truth that you know our healing is within and and all that gooey delicious womanly cheesy stuff yeah and it's just like (laughs) we say like oh you just heal from a thing like you hear that like that yogi thing but I think it's more just building friendships and community and just being open Mm -hmm. to talk about the crap of life and also the joy of life yeah and um instead of getting super woo-woo, it's just building that relationship and that sphere of safety to talk about that, those stories. Getting real. Getting real, yo. (laughs) Real, yo. I'm not just, we're not just some mindfulness yogis. We're, you know, real yogis. You know, let's get down and dirty with the, with everything, you know, and talk about it and be open about it. Um, As we start to kind of wrap things up, I'd like to, you know, me and Elisa come together for this and we're really excited about it, but... I want to get her vision and my vision of what we think this podcast can become and and just, you know, clo- I know, it's a surprise. You know, close your eyes and kind of think about, you know, what what you what impact you want to have with, with the Women's Moon Circle podcast. I just don't want us to be any more stressed about our lives and feeling like we always have to feel perfect. I know I want that for myself. I don't want to feel fearful for having a beer. I don't want to feel fearful of being bloated or feeling like I always have to um, fix things. And that's my thing. I like. I want to fix. And I want to do it myself. And being able to help myself and others, women particularly, let ourselves relax and trust. And I think in all manners, mind, body, and soul, we don't allow ourselves to do that. We don't give ourselves permission to do that. And that's where, on a grand philosophical sphere, I would like to see this go and creating a space for that. I would love to, maybe this could be like something real big, like, uh, like we were talking about leading retreats, you know, and combining this holistic aspect of yoga, body image, and healing and recovery, but um, combining it with all in a real and practical way, you know, that meets people where they're at. And... Um, who knows the potential is endless in this podcast and the j- journey of Carissa and I <laughs> <laughs> and you and you <laughs> um yeah that that sounds right in alignment with what I was what I was hoping to hear so thank okay, you good. <laughs> yeah. thanks for pleasing me I'm just kidding I approve no what I wanted to say was just that you know if this can get to one person that is doing this strong thing where they're just shoving it all down and you know pushing themselves to the gym and eating the ground turkey because they have to not because they enjoy it and that they can instead start to let love in let community in let support in start to like release those barriers um that if that can just, you know, reach one one person that starts to see that shift in their lives, that I think that that trickles down. And I know I've had this gift come into my life of 
loosening the chains. <laughs> yeah. And it feels so good. And it's scary. It's and it's scary. hard. It's so hard. Yeah. It's like you get this, it's like this double-edged sword of like, oh, this feels good. And then like, ah, the mirror. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. yeah. And just, you know, opening up the conversation. And, and we would love to have your guys' input. We can't do this on our own. We can't, you know, help you heal on our own. We need your participation. So we're going to ask uh, for you to follow up with an email of your story. Um, and we don't quite have our email set up just yet, but we're hoping it's going to be <laughs> women's moon circle at gmail.com. We're going to start with that. Yeah, especially if you feel like you don't have somebody to share some deep seated part of you that you need. It's sometimes helpful just to talk to somebody that you don't know face to face. Heck yeah. And just having a place to let, let it go. And whether it's food, body related, or even sexuality, because that's a big component of it. Like, yes. share your story. Oh, we're going to talk about we're that. We're going to talk about that. Don't oh, worry. I'm so excited. Don't worry. <laughs> we're going to get this whole thing going. And um, we would love to hear from you at womensmooncircle at gmail.com. We'll talk to you all next time at the Women's Moon Circle Podcast. Thank you for listening. Please take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes so we can continue to grow this sacred community. 